Do we have the audio of Donald Trump in uh, the White House? Uh, not in the not in the second press conference, but in the first one. He was really angry yesterday. Um, here he is in the Oval Office speaking to the press. Look, Biden and his son are stone cold right. crooked, and you. It's not the right one. Um, he went off yesterday in the Oval Office. Tell me if you have it. Um, and he was really, really angry. He didn't seem happy in the first clip. You're saying that no, that? it okay. was worse in the Oval Office. Go ahead, play. Adam Schiff. He's a lowlife. He should be forced to resign. He took a perfect conversation. Realized he couldn't read it to Congress because it was perfect. It was a very nice conversation. I knew many people were on the phone. Not only were many people on the phone, we had stenographers on the phone taking it down word for word. He took that conversation, which was perfect. He said, I can't read this. So he made up a conversation and he reported it and, and said it to Congress and to the American people. And it was horrible what he said. And that was supposed to be coming from me. But it was all fabricated. He should resign from office in disgrace. And frankly, they should look at him for treason because he is making up the words of the president of the United States. That's not treason. Um, And treason, please, both sides, let's stop using the word treason. Treason is the only crime that has a punishment attached to it in the Constitution. You have to have two eyewitnesses. And if you have two eyewitnesses seeing you commit treason, and that's defined in the Constitution, it's immediate and uh, and and irrevocable execution. You can't. You're not going to be tried and like, oh, we're going to give you life in prison. No, the only punishment it can receive is execution. That's in the Constitution. So can we please stop using the word treason? Now, what what Schiff did was um, was crappy, was crappy because he he oversold. He put things in the president's mouth. He says he was doing a parody. That's not your role. You are sitting there behind a microphone with your congressional nameplate and you are you are characterizing a phone call before it comes out and you have you have knowledge of that phone call in advance. I think the president was right. I think Schiff actually may have helped write uh, the um, uh, the whistleblowers stuff. At least attorneys definitely did. And I think the Democrats had something to do with it. It was written by a committee, and I wouldn't put it past Schiff uh, on, on, on doing that. But the president was... He's so frustrated because no one is looking for the truth. This is the laziest. And I'm giving them I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt that no one would. They are the laziest group of reporters I have ever seen. They are not doing any actual work on anything of importance. They are going for the lowest hanging fruit and the fruit that has been prepared for them and served up. You guys are lapdogs. Do you realize you are either in on it or you are the biggest, you're the dumbest group of people and the laziest group of people. You are being used. And maybe that's fine with you. 
because of your hatred of Donald Trump or whatever. Look, the guy is hard to like. We got it. He's hard to like. He does a lot of things that I'm like, oh, please don't do that, Mr. President. But he is not guilty of what you're saying he is. But what's more is the people you are in bed with are guilty of it. We'll expose it tonight. Now, I don't have the staff of the New York Times. I don't have the staff of the Washington Post. I don't have the money that they have to do investigations on everything. We can point you in the right direction. We can show you the stuff that is already out in the system. We can piece it all together. But if the press wanted to, they could, they could take this and they could name all the names at the top. And if they did that, I'm telling you, the DNC would be over. People will be so disgusted by this. When you see this, and you have to understand, billions of your dollars have been literally stolen from you. We have no idea what happened to those dollars. We can make guesses, but we have no idea where billions of your hard-earned dollars went. We released it to Ukraine. Then the Ukrainians said, hey, there was like $1.8 billion over here. There were $2 million over here. There was another billion over here. We can't find any of that. Where did that money go? And what did our government say? Don't look for it. Don't look. Don't look. Don't look. Don't look. Excuse me? You will see how information that was, they were, they were, doing everything they could to get to us was blocked by the administration. Not this administration. By all the administration and officials put in by the last administration and all the DNC operatives. That's why the president is upset. But the president shouldn't be. He's frustrated because the people on the right don't have the power of the voice. Our voice is being throttled down by the same kind of system, the same kind of cronyism. The people who have worked for Nancy Pelosi, worked for Hillary Clinton, are now the people in charge of who gets throttled down, what voices are heard and what voices aren't heard. Gee, I think that's a problem. And so... This is not going to be um, everywhere because we don't have a central headquarters, okay? We're not CBS. We're not ABC. We're not the mainstream media. We're Ben Shapiro and Glenn Beck and, and, uh, and you know, uh, Cheryl Atkinson and whoever. Joe Rogan. We're not together. But we need to start listening to each other. We need to start working together in some things. And we need to, if somebody is pulling all of a narrative together like we are now, if it, if it, was, if it was Mark Levin, Mark Levin had um, uh, uh, John Solomon on, on Fox on Sunday. John Solomon is a guy who is being destroyed right now. Destroyed. And Mark Levin had access to be able to get into people's living rooms. And if you missed it, go to YouTube and find it. 
Donald Trump is is at the end of his rope and they know it. We told you on 60 Minutes, I told you yesterday, why Hillary Clinton said he's an illegitimate president. He's just an illegitimate president. Why is she doing that? First of all, could we please play the little montage of what they were saying about Donald Trump before he was elected? Because they said he's going to say the president, Hillary Clinton, is an illegitimate president. Listen to this little montage here. The loser concedes to the winner, not saying that you're necessarily going to be the loser or the winner, but that the loser concedes to the winner and that the country comes together in part for the good of the country. Are you saying you're not prepared now to commit to that principle? What I'm saying is that I will tell you at the time. I'll keep you in suspense. Well, Chris, let me respond to that because that's horrifying. You start whining before the game's even over. If if whenever things are going badly for you and and you lose, you start blaming somebody else. Mm Hmm then you don't have what it takes to be in this job. Reckless and dangerous discussion about the legitimacy of American elections, something that's never been challenged before by any major party candidate. I think it is quite outrageous to have a candidate uh, make these kinds of uh, uh, comments and not, ex- not accept what the, what, the, uh, uh, what the outcome of the election is going to be, especially you know, given the way it's done in the United States. It's, it's impossible to rig an election in the United States. We have you know, far too many people in control of uh, different parts of it. He will not stand in front of his own country in front of his own nation and say that he respects the process and the outcome. That is an outrage, the appalling lack of patriotism from this man. To say you won't respect the results of the election, that is a direct threat to our democracy. Look, some people are sore losers and, you know, we just... We just got to keep going. I believe he knows he's an illegitimate president. Mm. He knows. Mm. So why is he doing that? Because, look, Donald Trump is, is, is uh, a guy who uh, doesn't like to be called illegitimate. And everybody knows that. Everybody knows if you want to get along with him, just say, you know, by the way, you're great. And he appreciates that. <laughs> If you say you are this or that, he doesn't like that. And especially if he knows that is not true. This whole collusion thing with Russia is not true. And they're doubling down on it. How does this phone call make him an illegitimate president? The Russia investigation showed, no, that didn't happen. So why are they now saying and doubling down on illegitimate president? Because it drives him nuts and they want him to make a mistake. Please, Mr. President, please stop watching television. Stop listening to these people. I know this is asking an awful lot of you, but don't listen to them. They are they are baiting you. They are trying to get you angry because you will make a mistake. Please, please, the truth will come out. It is so close right now. This is, this is the moment you've waited for. The evidence is there. And if the GOP and leadership of, of the conservative movement will actually listen and put the whole thing together, the narrative changes overnight. Please, Mr. President, stop listening to them.
Okay, yesterday, the Institute for Supply Management reported that manufacturing activity in the United States fell to a 10-year low in September. Uh, An analyst warned yesterday that U.S. could face an economic downturn amid the protracted trade war with China and a slowing of the global economy. That's why the the um, stock market took a massive hit yesterday. I don't even know what it closed. It was it was more than 500 points, wasn't it? Uh, it was a bad day on the stock market, and it's shaping up to be another bad day. The Dow is now down uh, about 200 points. So what did Trump do yesterday? Now, I love these people who say, you sold out to Donald Trump. Did I? Or am I telling the truth? He does some things good, and he sucks at other things. Donald Trump, please stop with the tariffs. They are down again today because he said that he was going to impose tariffs on European aircraft, French wine and cheese, Spanish olive oil, and other goods. (sighs) Trade wars don't end well. The president, I know for a fact, just loves trade wars. He thinks that we get better deals. It's it's free. The free market is is proven to be the best possible market system out there. The minute you start to hypermanage things, it all falls apart. Tariffs could raise prices for American companies and customers who import products from Europe, offering uh, or affecting airlines, manufacturers and customers at the grocery store. Mr. President. This hurts the American people. This hurts your voters. If you lose the economy now, you you will lose at the voting uh, booth. You will. You can't lose the economy. The best thing that you can do is to relieve the tariffs, at least all of the other tariffs. I, I understand you like tariffs, you know, you've gotten deals in places, remove the terrorists where you've already gotten the deal. Don't add any more. Right now, one of the other things that happened yesterday was manufacturers thought, we don't know how long this is going to last. We are, our chip manufacturers are really hurting now because we can't do anything with China. So what do we do? Some really great companies are on the edge right now of of the future. But they can't do anything because they can't predict what's going to happen next. If you're going to continue with China, we need a date. You can't live in flux like this. We don't even know what's going to happen to Brexit in what, two weeks, three weeks? We don't know if they're going to leave or not. We don't know if they're going to be a steady prime minister or not. We can't have any more chaos. As this really heats up and and the impeachment heats up, you cannot have the economy hurt anymore. If Elizabeth Warren looks like she's going to be the the candidate and she does well in polls even right now, The stock market will go down because companies will say, she's a socialist. She's going to get rid of the free market. 
we need to prepare for that. And they will cut back. They will store their funds. They will begin to look overseas, et cetera, et cetera. It's a disaster. Please, Mr. President, please stop with the tariffs. It's in your best interest as well as the country's. Win-win. Those are the best. You're listening to Glenn Beck. Welcome to the Glenn Beck program. I'm going to change the subject here uh, a little bit. And, and uh, let me show you something that will make you feel good. Do you remember that really weird story of the cop shooting the guy in the apartment? that He lived above her, I think, if I'm not yeah, mistaken. Yeah, one floor above One floor her. above. Mm-hmm. She's a cop. She comes home. She opens up the door. And she walks in. And she sees a guy sitting down uh, watching TV in what she says was her apartment. She freaks out. Uh, I, we don't know exactly what happened. And then she shoots him and kills him. Well, it turns out she wasn't in her apartment. She was on the wrong floor. She was in his apartment. Well, the trial just went on and she was convicted. So she's going to jail. But I want you to listen to the brother of the victim as she's getting ready to be sentenced. Listen to this. And I, I wasn't going to ever say this in front of my family or anyone, but I don't even want you to go to jail. I want the best for you. Because I know that's, what, that's exactly what both of them would want you to do. And the best would be give your life to Christ. I'm not going to say anything else. I think giving your life to Christ would be the best thing that both of them would want you to do. Again, I love you as a person. And I don't wish anything bad on you. Listen to this. I don't know if this is possible, but... Can, can I give her a hug, please? And they hug in the courtroom and sob. This is... You know, I... I you know what the problem is in our world today? Is we've all forgotten who we are. We forgot who we are. Where we came from. And I don't mean I came from here and these people were my parents. I mean, really where we came from. This is a profound moment of Christianity. She killed his brother. He forgives her. Says, I don't even want you to go to jail. I just want what's best for you. And loves her. I don't know about anybody else. But in a way, if that guy were me, 
I'd hope I was hit by a bus today because I don't think I'm going to get any better review from the Lord than that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. The next day I could be like, ah, oh, shut up. And Your I, rotten tomatoes from the from God is like 100%. It's 100% yeah. on that. That is one of the most compelling, beautiful things I have seen. And it reminds us of who we're supposed to be. It also reminds us that, because uh, I mean, we act as aggrieved parties so often you know i mean it just it puts so much into perspective think of all the times that like you know we the things that we complain about you know the things that we act as if well look yes i know we're supposed to act that way but this is too important i mean how many times do we do that all the time, all the time. with the all news the time. oh I'm, I'm gonna tweet this because I, I you know this is too big i know i'm supposed to act that way but i'm gonna act this way this time because this is too important this guy had his brother killed while he was eating ice cream on the couch by this woman and you know he is showing what we're supposed to be to everybody and he's done more good in that moment than than i know i'll probably ever do in my entire life i agree right i mean like how many people are going to watch that video and have i bet that's going to change thousands of lives watching that i mean it changes your perspective immediately immediately you 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 imagine is there would there be anything harder to do somebody kills a family member of yours it's like the amish yeah. i got to tell you i i don't want to dress you know with a big hat and 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 go work a plow without any electricity not I, a big butter churner I, i'm not a big butter churner raise barns they work way mm-hmm. too hard for mm-hmm. me yes but if if remember when the guy came in and shot all their children and that day they went to the the killer's house to comfort his family yeah that made me go you know what there's something to being amish i mean <laughs> yeah if you give me just an hour of electricity or a blender that i can whip that butter up quickly i might consider it that's 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 really who we are. It's so funny because I was driving in uh this morning. I shouldn't say it that way. Um uh I got here this morning and I started wa- started watching a video of the news. You know, sometimes I listen some you know, and I'm in the car, I'm just listening. Anyway, so uh did you see the video of the the dog that was out in the middle of this river, like in this giant ravine, uh, and it looked like it was, it was all concrete, so it kind of looked like almost like a dam. And this dog was trapped right on the edge of this water, and it was pushing the dog close to the edge. And somebody saw this dog. He was all by himself. He sees this dog in there, and he decides to climb down into the ravine and go get that dog. So now the water is hitting him and pushing him towards the edge. He goes out and he grabs the dog and the dog is freaked out and he gets to the edge and then he looks up to this giant cement wall and is like, crap, how am I going to get back up, let alone with the dog? And he tries to start to climb up and he can't do it. Somebody sees him. And so another guy reaches down and he's like, here, give me your hand. But he's like four people away, literally. 
Somebody else walks by. They start this human chain. Somebody else walks by. Pretty soon, there's like 10 people. None of them know each other, all trying to save this dog. And they create a human chain all the way down into the river. And then they just pull him and the dog up. And I thought, this is who we are. You don't see this stuff. You don't hear people talking about this. But this is who we are. We're people who help each other. We're people who somebody right now is being bullied. Maybe in school. And there's a kid that is standing up for that kid. There's a teacher who is helping somebody who feels very, very alone and really lost and behind in their work and they just can't seem to get it together. And there is a teacher there that is helping them. We, we lose the little picture. We can't look at the big picture. Look at this Trump thing. Tonight, we're going to show you the big picture. And everybody wants you to zoom in on the phone call. Look at 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 the phone call. No, don't look at the phone call. Come back to the phone call. Zoom out for a second. What is this whole picture show? Now, if we zoom out, we'll see a couple of things. We'll see that the world is on the edge and the United States is on the edge. But we'll also see that we are in the best position in the world. We might have, you know, we might have our troubles here. There might be poor among us. But holy cow, be poor here in America as opposed to any other place in the world. And then zoom in. And show the people and look at the people around you who are actually good and decent people. Stop looking at their flaws. Stop looking at the flaws of absolutely everything and start looking at the things we really are. And if we can remember who we really are, as a group, maybe then we can put into perspective on who we as individuals are, and then we can do our own part. As Stu said, this one guy in Dallas made a bigger impact on the things that count than I'll probably make in my whole life. In one act of true bravery and courage. Notice he said, I wasn't going to say this in front of my family. I imagine he thought that there were people who were like, you cannot say that about her. What do you mean you forgive her and love her? And he did it. And I guarantee you that he went home. And those people who might have said that to him beforehand admire him today. And he changed the hearts of those who would have tried to stop him before he did it. Welcome to the uh, program. I'm really glad that you're here. You know, the reason why I think that that story of the, the boy whose brother was killed by a cop here in Dallas... She's being sentenced, and before he does, he says, I just want the best for you. I don't even want you to go to jail. The best thing that could happen is that you just give your life over to Christ, and I love you, and I forgive you, and can I give you a hug? I mean, it's an amazing thing. The reason why that stands out so much is because we are living now at a time when there is no forgiveness. 
You can say sorry all you want. You can whatever. You're never forgiven. You're banned for life. Literally and figuratively. It's the exact opposite, right, of what Christianity, Christianity, right? Like you think of a godly act. I mean, essential part of Christianity, right? God sends his only son uh, that he gets executed for no good reason. And at the end of the day, he's like, hey, I forgive everybody. Like, that's an, a pretty amazing thing. It's incredibly similar this, to what this kid did at 18 years old. Yeah. To stand up in front, in front of the court, in front of the nation, and say, hey, my brother was executed for no good reason, and I forgive the person who did it. Like, I, I mean, that's a, it's a life-changing moment for, I think, a lot of people. And it's unique now because we have chased Jesus out as our archetype. Yeah. They, we had two archetypes, the lawgiver, Moses, and then the other one was Jesus. And Jesus was all about forgiveness, who we were supposed to model. We're not modeling that. Yeah. I mean, think how far we've come. We, we talk about cancel culture a lot, right? Yeah. Cancel culture, people have complained about offensive jokes for a long time. You could go back early in your career, and you had groups who were pissed off at you for various things over the, over the years. Always. Eddie Murphy did a special, Delirious, back in 1981. It's a comedy classic, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, like, this is one of the mm-hmm. best-known comedy specials of all time. In that uh, special, in 1981, he did a bunch of AIDS jokes, now, it's 1981. No one even knows what AIDS really is at this point. Nope, I had no idea. Right, like it was totally not understood. He makes a bunch of very offensive AIDS jokes. So in, in the mid-90s... the audience laugh? Oh, yeah. They, of course, of course they, they, they did. Laughed. Yeah, of course they did. In the mid-90s, he comes out and he's doing something for a movie. I think it's 1996. And these comments now are obviously incredibly offensive and mm-hmm. no one's making comments like them. So he gets the cancel culture sort of treatment at that time. People are saying he needs to comment on it. He's being asked about it in interviews as he does the thing. There's protests about him. Mm-hmm. So he comes out and he says, look, I, this was, I didn't know anything about AIDS. Like, I mean, I don't think they're good jokes now, but at the time, you know, I thought they were funny. You know, I obviously didn't mean to hurt anybody, but this is, you know, gives the typical apology. Correct. What happens today if that happens? They say that's not good enough. Cancel him anyway. I don't ever want to see his face again. Oh, they may cancel yeah. him anyway. They may do I mean, it again. They're trying it. to do it again now, which yeah, is what led me to the he's story. wanting to do a comeback, and yeah. I bet you they'll do it again. Listen to the words of the protesters protesting Eddie Murphy in 1996 after his apology. Quote, I think it's great. I think it's terrific. He pointed to the fact that education is important for all of us, and that that was the thrust of the press conference. Not I feel today. very gratified that he has seen the light. That is not happening today. That, that I is mean, not happening look, today. It's 20 years ago, it's but that's because a total change. We have lost the archetype of Jesus. Jesus has become this, well, I'm a Christian, and I live the law of Christian. Of course, not not all of Christianity. I'm cheating on my wife right now. <laughs> Just don't look at me. I'm stealing your money. Don't look at me. It's you that's the problem. That's the joke of Christianity now. We'll accept anything. We're not our lives, and this is provable. Our lives are not any different than the person who is an atheist. It's not any different. We're not any higher moral life or authority than people who don't believe in God. That's a problem with Christianity. It should change you. And Christianity is not necessarily about trying to win, right? Christianity is how you act when you lose. Yes. Right? Like, you know, when they kill your Savior. Crucified. This is a big L. This is an L, an earthly L. I mean, if you look at this really, (laughs) and if you really thought he was the Messiah, 
nailed to a tree and dies, and then you all go home. You didn't look at each other and go, wow, that didn't work out like we thought it would. We should have done something else. I mean, that, <laughs> right. I mean that, that is a huge loss. Huge loss. It's a victory in the eternal right. standpoint, and we forget that. We forget as he's dying on the cross. Father, forgive them. Holy cow. Would you be saying that with nails in your hands? You're listening to Glenn Beck.